I'm David Madsen, and this is Primetime 89, a chance for me to visit and talk story, check in and catch up with classmates from a generation ago, finding out how they're doing, where they are, how they got there, and what experiences they've had along the way. Alika Ferreira is a 13-year product of Kamehameha Schools, and he grew up in Kailua. The son of a small business owner, he was industrious, with a good head on his shoulders and a comfortable sense of himself. He went off to college and the military, but just as the mango didn't fall far from the tree, a generation later, he's found himself near his roots. With a wonderful family of his own and a business he's built from the ground up, at 50, Alika is loving life. Hey! Hey, my Captain America. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're looking good, man. Uh, I try to stay slim, just like you. <laughs> yeah. Slim on ambitions, but you know, it doesn't mean. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> so, wow. So, is that your backyard? Oh, yeah. You know, the Enchanted Lake area, right? Yeah. yeah. Olomana behind me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, is that body of water part of Enchanted Lake? This one actually is part of a wetland preserve. So it's all good. We're very fortunate. Oh, yeah, it's super green. You feel like you're in the countryside, but we're in the heart of Kailua. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, really, really blessed. That the noisiest part of where we live are the birds. <laughs> the birds make all the noise. That's yeah. about it. Good noise, though. They wake you up in the morning when the sun comes out. Oh, my out. goodness, yeah. Can I help but get up? <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been there? Uh, nine years will be 10 years next year wow sure. i have a uh, younger brother younger sister i also have an older sister which who is one year older than i am and my older sister and i kind of grew up together yeah. and then there's a five-year gap and then my younger brother and sister kind of grew up together because they're closer in age mm-hmm. you know one of my greatest memories as a kid with my siblings was actually on Kauai. And going out with my uncle Warren, he's a librarian, which means he has amazing knowledge. And and, um, he knows so much about everything Mm -hmm. uh, from the trees to the birds to the stories of the valley. Mm -hmm. And he would share all those stories. That's why we loved going with him because he had amazing stories. We would go out into Koke'e, up in the mountains, and take all these trails. And going with him, we'd have to go off-road a lot. And I remember getting, you know, going down the mountainside, this little muddy trail with his four by four Subaru, it's not even a truck, and getting stuck in the mud for hours and being like, you, you can't do a whole lot because there's a cliff on one side and then there's, a, there's the wall, the mountain wall on the other side. And the other one was on the beach for, again, for hours. It was funny was when we were digging our, our car out of the sand or digging it out of the mud, yeah. he still was telling stories. still telling stories that my brother and I uh, would just listen and and dig and listen and dig and he would yell at us if we stopped digging because he wanted to get out of there too (laughs) if only they had track packs back then oh my gosh yeah all you did was look for a stick (laughs) that's right for those of you who don't know A 13-year senior isn't someone who took 13 years to complete 12 grades. At Kamehameha, it's a distinction for those who were there since kindergarten. 
Alika and I spent some time recalling some of our first memories at school. So we've known each other since we were five years old. We're 13 year seniors, you know, thinking as far back as you can. What's what's one of the earliest memories that that you have of KS? Well, I definitely remember um, my kindergarten teacher, Knudsen. We were her second class. But I remember her, I remember the playground. I mean, it, that's why we do the photo there, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's such a memorable place. It had the, the big, big tree and, and the great jungle gym there. Have you seen the kindergarten picture with, with all of us? Yeah. I, you again. I, 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 I picture you in a blue and white shirt. You, I wasn't you in a blue, blue and shirt one? because I, I, uh, I forgot the memo about bringing right. yeah, the Aloha shirt. shirt. But then, yeah, then right. again, were you one of the guys who shared the Aloha shirt? Because there's like five kids wearing the exact same shirt. It's like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I loved playing kickball. <laughs> I didn't care how many times I stubbed my toe. I, I, I loved kicking that ball as hard as you could and running the bases. One of my favorite, favorite childhood games. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And you remember, right, back in the day, back on the kindergarten playground, and everyone knew everybody was good. We were tight, like, up through fourth grade. Yeah. You remember going to PE in that little uh, gymnasium area by the bridge? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and then playing a game called Mission Impossible, where you had to get from one side of the room to the other without touching the floor. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And, and you, there's you, those you little could use a scooter mat, things. Yeah. Scooters. You could use all these different things. And then you could sometimes you have to do it on your own. But other times you have to do it in, in groups. The other memory I'm really fond of, snack time. I love being one of, the, I think it's like two kids would go down to the cafeteria and bring the snack back to the room. Yeah, I remember there was like the, the walkway across the breezeway. They'd leave mm-hmm. the stuff at the top of the stairs there, I think. Yeah, and they had it all individually wrapped with saran wrap. Oh, my good times. And then, of course, there was built-in nap time. Which... I was going to tell, I was going to say that. And you had to bring your, your sleeping bag. It wasn't even a sleeping bag. It was more of a sleeve, right? Exactly. Like you would make. Like and it had your name on it. Yeah, like yes, a, out of denim. There. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Did you actually take a nap? No, not really. Back then, you didn't. You had so much energy. It's it's like impossible to. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it was it was more for the teachers than for the kids. I was sad when I saw the breezeway disappear. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very different. It's nice that you can still walk through there, but our kindergarten classroom is still there, though, man. Yeah, see, and yeah. that was a special classroom because it was in the it was like a separate building with a a nice little private uh, back area. What kind of uh, mementos have you kept from high school? Um, I have a trunk in my garage, uh-huh. and it has a bunch of stuff in there. It actually had uh, some things I had to throw out, but you know the yearbook I have it at my bedside, our '89 yearbook. Oh wow! Uh, it, it, it's kind of cool to walk down memory lane. I think the yearbooks are amazing. You know, I don't know if you remember, but Paul Suyat and I used to dance a lot. Okay. We love dancing. Tanner, Tanner Henderson. We love dancing. And the problem with us, how much we love dancing is that we would dance with each other rather than with the girl. Oh. Um, so so, so to, miss, to miss a dance or the prom, from at least from you know, how we enjoy dancing, it didn't make a lot of sense. I have the, the prom photos, mm-hmm. right? So uh, who, um, who did you share. go to the prom with? So senior prom, I wasn't going to go. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, I, I had decided that, yeah, maybe prom 
wasn't wasn't important. It wasn't for me. And I got to talking to uh, Joy Yoshida in class mm-hmm. one day. Yeah. And she actually had the same feeling. And then we kind of looked at each other like, we're friends, right? Why don't we go together? Mm-hmm. And we did. And we had a great time. Mm-hmm. It was a blast. I mean, it, it was just as a friend thing. That's all it was. The mm-hmm. embarrassing part of that story, I didn't wear a tux. I wore a costume instead. And I decided to be Zorro. Really? Zorro. You, went to Zorro? you gotta you gotta share that picture of me. <laughs> I had the hat. Yeah. I had I had this black uh, like tunic or whatever it was. Um I had I didn't have the sash. I I, I think I left the sash out, the black sash around the waist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was it was black from head to toe and I wore eyeliner. You're a trendsetter, man. You know that oh, it, was, it was totally different. I think I embarrassed Joy. <laughs> <laughs> Try to just have fun. Yeah. Just go and enjoy life and enjoy the, the time with us. And I've run into many people who hated their high school time. Mm-hmm. And it, it blows me away because I loved my high school time because of the people, experiences. And it was, it was an interesting time, right, of growing mm-hmm. up um, and, and learning new things about yourself. I, I just think we made the most of our time. So what's something about you that, um, that hasn't changed since high school? Ooh, since high school. You know, I'm still very optimistic. Um, and this comes from my parents that I could do anything. You know, my optimism got me into hula, mm-hmm. which was two years of fantastic memories. Totally love that. I was dancing hula and it was because of Clayton Madrona. He and a couple other guys had encouraged a lot of the other boys to come out uh, mm-hmm. junior year. Mm-hmm. And so a bunch of us went and kind of grew the, the boys uh, portion of the Ho'ike and mm-hmm. song contest. Uh, and so that optimism is, I think, what got me into the various sports I got into. And then to this day, I, I still believe I can do anything. Remembering something with vivid detail that happened decades ago is hard to do, unless it's the first date with the person you'll spend the rest of your life with. So you're talking about your wife. Could you share a little bit about her? The summer after we graduated. I played volleyball and soccer with friends, just, you know, community stuff. And I met Kate on the volleyball court. She came with a friend of hers that I had been playing volleyball with for probably three years at that point. Mm-hmm. She came just to hang out with her friend. She ended up uh, giving me a ride to, we went to 7-Eleven to get Slurpees. I mean, so Slurpees are like a thing with us. And from then, you know, we set up a date. It was a double date with a friend and the friend didn't show up. And so it was just me and her. And we stayed out till like 4.30 in the morning. We went to a movie in, in uh, Coco Marina. And then we ended up parked at the blowhole for hours. I got my first earful of uh, how to tell time from her mother uh, the, the very next day. That was uh, June 14th of uh, 1989. You remember it to the day. And Oh, yeah. I remember to the day. I remember the hour. I remember what we talked about. I remember where we went. That was a month before I left for Chicago. I went away and I thought I left everything behind. Nope. Stayed in contact with her the entire time I was in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Came to see her every time you know I came back for Christmas break mm-hmm. um, and summer breaks. We dated through the whole time and we calculated it later that we were together for seven years dating 
of which only 14 months were we in the same place. How was that? Well, it was good because we got to develop as friends. Um, what was it know, that, that kept you in that long distance relationship for those seven years? I, I liked how down to earth she was. She's incredibly intelligent. Um, we could talk about anything for days. Kate and I have been together ever since she was 15 and I was 17. That's amazing. You know, and then we got married in uh, 96. We could do just about anything together, but there's things that she won't do. Yeah. Like she won't do camping. Now we have three teenage boys and it's just not her thing. She'll, yeah. she'll go stay in a cabin or in a hotel room or you know any other accommodations, <laughs> but a tent is not acceptable. That's, <laughs> that's, right. that's right. Our favorite thing to do, just sit on the beach with a cooler and you know, crack a couple beers open and watch uh, the sun so, so go, she, go down over the mountain. She'll sit down on the beach with you and crack open a beer and enjoy. Oh, yeah. oh I love that. That's our, that's our favorite thing to do. It, <laughs> because especially through COVID when everything was closed, right? Yeah, we yeah. still would go down to the beach. Hilo yeah. Beach is our favorite spot. If we go in the morning, we'll walk with coffee. If we yeah. go in the afternoon, we'll sit with the cooler. Where we try to go weekly and just kind of... <laughs> so, so, so that's like just a, a date time with you and her. Yeah, that's super important. So 30 years later happened a few years ago. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bit crazy to think that you're going to spend so much time with someone. And so I committed to have us time. So you got three kids? Three, we have three boys. Boys. Sean nice. is, yeah, all boys. Sean is 20. Donovan is a junior at Kamehameha, 17. Mm -hmm. And then Torin is eighth grade at Kailua Intermediate. Um, Sean had graduated in 2019 um, from Kamehameha. Yeah, what was interesting was during the graduation week at Senior T, when we kind of put it all together, that there were nine classmates in his class that are all uh, offspring from 89 graduates. <laughs> so a bunch of KS89 grads were there at the graduation week, uh, and it turned out to be nine in total, which was really kind of cool. Three boys are so different. Mm -hmm. The only thing that really brings us together is the beach. So we'll go surfing together, or we'll just go hang out on the beach together. But you know what I find amazing is that they really enjoy the 80s music. Oh, yeah. the, the, the 80s and 90s uh, TV shows, they like know the words. Yeah. And it blows my mind because I still love listening to our old music, you know, and mm -hmm. so I feel like I'm getting older, but my kids are absolutely, you know, embracing what we grew up with. So it, it's, it's kind of cool to see. So how has being a parent changed you? So, well, so I think you're... as a parent, biggest change for me has been I'm not so much into myself anymore. Kids change that. You know, if, if you care enough about them, they, it, that changes dramatically. Now it's about them. And that's why I've, I've coached soccer for so long because I wanted to make sure they had something to do, something to grow through. And, and sports is a great teacher of many things, not just athleticism. And I actually see a lot of the other players on the team who don't have their dad there. Have you ever had that moment when you said something to your kid like with some passion, right? <laughs> some, a little bit of emotion. Mm -hmm. And then after you said it, you realized that you heard that from your, your dad, the very same thing, like decades ago. 
you heard that same, same statement from your own father. Like, oh, okay, I never learned back then either. And uh, I don't think this kid is going to learn either. They don't give you a manual, right? The only experience you have to lean on is looking back to your own childhood, right? And you look back to how your dad participated or your mom participated in your life. And whatever image or roles that you assign from your own experience as a child, you tend to bring forward to your, um, to your parenting, at least trial, <laughs> the trial and error that is, is, is your first parenting experience. Captain Ferreira's military career started in college with ROTC, and it's instilled values that are still with him today. Through that experience, he's gained perspective and has advice for anyone considering joining the military. I'm, uh, literally, I was in college still, uh, going through ROTC in 91, when uh, Desert Storm kicked off. And then it ended when I got uh, my commission in 93. What did you do in the military? I was a combat engineer. I had high hopes to become uh, a fighter jet pilot. But my eyes got weaker as I went through schooling and decided that uh, not to pursue that side. And so um, and it ended up in the, in the Marine Corps because it just fit better for my style and my personality and what I could do. And so the engineer side is actually it's a neat combination of infantry and explosives. <laughs> so oh, cool. we still cool. have to do all the security stuff, all the infantry stuff uh, in the Marine Corps. Every Marine is a rifleman first. So you still have to be able to fight. Um, just like any infantryman, but in the engineer side, you have to learn how to build stuff. You have to learn how to bridge gaps, and then you have to learn how to blow it all up. So that was a uh, that was actually a lot of fun. I love that job. That was uh, that was a ton of fun. <laughs> yeah. Were you ever in combat? No, I got to serve uh, during the Clinton era, uh, where it was peacetime. Uh, literally, I was in college still, uh, going through ROTC in '91. Mm-hmm. And it was peacetime until 2001 uh, when the 9-11 happened, right? And so yeah. another year later, we went back to the sandbox, but I had already uh, separated from service. My yeah. eight-year stretch, it was peacetime. I actually thought I was going to go back into the military involuntarily mm-hmm. uh, because of 9-11, yeah. but they didn't put the stop loss in until January. So I actually missed out, and I say missed uh, with the underlying. I missed out on combat action. You see the movie Jarhead? Yeah. You know, over the course of his tour, that he never got to utilize his training. That's that's the closest I can come to kind of understanding, I guess, through uh, through my you know, observation of his emotions in the movie. Yeah. You know, I didn't go through those emotions when I was in. Um, it wasn't until afterwards. It, it was when they were sending out orders again to send uh, Marines over to um, Afghanistan, you know, if you never actually perform that service that you've been training for or that activity, you're untested. You don't know uh, what you could have done. So I, I did a lot of training, a lot of uh, exercises, but no operation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know I can hit a target. So I, 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 would, I think I would perform well uh, under pressure, but you know, would I make bad decisions? Probably. Sure, I'm, yeah. I'm much more of a peace-loving guy, you know? I mean, I, 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 I'm willing to go to battle, but if I don't need to, I won't. What do you like most about having been in the military? I like the foundation. Um, I, I learned a lot 
and being a Marine, uh, there's a lot of pride that goes into becoming one and being part of that, uh, that brotherhood, that tight bond. I like how structured my life became from my time in the military. And I, I apply it today. And, and the guys who I work closest with, they also are military. So that's something definitely I took away from the, the military and, and still applies today. Very good. If your son wanted to join the military, what advice would you give? Um, I have given advice to my 17-year-old. Uh, my 17-year-old is interested in the military. And the only thing I tell him is that, and I tell this to anybody, make sure you're joining for the right reasons. If you're joining just to get college money, which is why I joined, then you might need to dig deeper because joining the military is a much bigger thing. You have to be a patriot first and foremost. You have to believe in the constitution that you're defending uh, and you have to be willing to die for it. And if it's not that important to you, then you need to dig deeper. Um, and I'd rather my son dig deeper now mm -hmm. than realize it later when he's in the sandbox fighting for his life. I want my son to work his way up. I went in as a second lieutenant. I got my commission, right? Yeah. And started at the officer ranks, which has a different set of responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Not everybody's ready for that. Right? Mm -hmm. You just got done with four years of high school and now you're gonna do four yeah. years of college. A lot of us lose our way because we're not mature enough to know mm -hmm. what we want. Yeah. So to go in and have a life experience in the enlisted ranks, washing dishes, clearing minefields or fixing uh, trucks, doesn't matter what you're doing in the military, have that four years mm -hmm. of experience matures that person. Yeah. And then that person says, you know what? I don't want to wash dishes for the rest of my life. Yeah. I want to make something of myself that's more than this. I want to study blank. Mm -hmm. They have a better and more mature reason to study something. And then they have the money for it too. Mm -hmm. And then they go and do that study and return to the military. I think they become a better leader with more to offer. I, I agree entirely with that. I, I can see what you're talking about. It's kind of like the CEO that started out in the mailroom. I felt like I had no legs under me when I started. I was put in charge of uh, 35 to 40 Marines from get-go. And that was really, really weird because I have no foundation. I have no experience. I, mean, I had a lot of training. Don't get me wrong. I didn't, didn't have maturity and experience yet. Yeah. And I had to grow quickly that first year. Interesting. It makes a lot of sense. That's actually really good advice. So you were in North Carolina for a handful of years after getting out of the Marines. So I was ready to leave the, the, the Marine Corps. The Marine Corps was great. Uh, learned a ton. I traveled a lot. Uh, gained, gained a lot from that experience. But I didn't want to raise a family in, mm -hmm. in the military at all. Yeah. Um, so my wife and I decided that we were ready to start a family, but not in, not in the in the Marines. Is she from so, a military family? She actually is. Her dad was a Marine. Uh -huh. So when I got into the Marines, I I, I kind of got that uh, seal of approval, if you will, mm -hmm. from Jarhead to Jarhead. And uh, but I, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to go through the stress of pulling the family in every direction. And plus, I wanted to be involved with the kids. That was something important to me when I was growing up to have dad around. And I knew if I stayed in. I wouldn't be as around as much as I, I would like to. And I, I've seen too many stories that are not successful in the military. And I, I wasn't ready for that. So Interesting. got out of, the, out of the Marines and stayed in North Carolina. I just wasn't ready for Hawaii yet. Finding himself in Hawaii after the subprime mortgage crisis of 2008 
and ever the entrepreneur, Alika saw an opportunity to build a business the right way and based on just and sound principles. So this is uh, 2001. I, I got out of the military and then I got to uh, try my hand at the, the private sector. Was your uh, private sector experience related to your military training? Actually, I started way. I started going into construction, you know, doing home home building, and then uh, went into mortgages immediately, and found that to be actually quite suitable. It was a problem solving situation for me, mm-hmm. where a customer would present a problem, I would have to figure out how to solve that problem. Uh, with the various financial tools that we have, you know, different mm-hmm. programs that we can provide. And I actually liked that quite a bit. Thought I would stay in that a long time as well. Ended up just going out and setting up my own shop in that regard, uh, originating loans. My wife is a nurse and she, after getting out of the military, she was more uh, involved with the hospital and putting more hours. She was still doing part-time, mm-hmm. but, and then we started raising a family. So it actually helped out where she could do she didn't have to do full-time hours. So I was carrying the burden of the, the financial picture and it kept on growing. You know, we had, now we had three kids. <laughs> All those subprime loans uh, blew up uh, in the secondary market mm-hmm. and it, it sent the housing market crashing and the housing market just got shut down. My legs. How did it so, impact your, your business and your work? I cut my legs right from under me, 100%. Tried mm. a couple of pivots, but it just, it was hard to get it back. We were in North Carolina for 11 years. Half of that was uh, Marine Corps time and the other half was uh, civilian time. And that actually led to the, the decision to return to Hawaii. You know, the entire economy was in, in jeopardy at that point. Sure. Um, it, yeah, everyone uh, impacted. And I, I looked for other options outside of the mortgage world and it just wasn't going to fit. And so we, we bit that, that bullet and, and made that bittersweet movement uh, back to Hawaii. My dad, uh, <laughs> he had a contracting business in air conditioning. He invited me back on the payroll. He moved in with mom and dad, and they were there to hold us up. The, the economy continued to crumble. Um, all the contracts that I was bidding on for my dad and the contracts that he already had uh, been awarded those all got pulled you know, early in our time in, in, in Hawaii, you know, another situation where we don't have a, a stable environment. You know, my brother and I decided to go find something mm-hmm. um, and we did. We were starting our own solar company. We realized that with the tax credits from the federal government, the tax credits from the state government, that the solar boom that was going on maybe had five years of life. Mm-hmm. And we didn't want to build something that would only last five years. You know, dad had already run the company, uh, his air conditioning company for 30 years. And so we wanted to look for something that was in the 30 year range instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that's how we got into uh, our current business, energy conservation. Yeah, decreased consumption. Electricity, decreased consumption. That's right. Super simple, right? Don't eat more food. Just, mm-hmm. you know, burn it off more. Yeah. <laughs> it's simple. Lighting, mm-hmm. change your lights to LED. You know, put a switch in place or put occupancy sensors in place where when you're not in the room, the lights turn off automatically. Yeah. Those are the simple things that we started doing. 
and we found a niche. There are only three other companies in that market. Mm -hmm. uh, so then we niched it down again and said, you know, let's serve those who are underserved. And we found uh, small businesses were underserved. They weren't getting uh, the same kind of high touch uh, service as the large companies were. Yeah, yeah. So, so we worked with small businesses and then we partnered with Hawaii Energy and got all of our projects 100% funded. So the customer paid nothing. The customer got electrical savings. The customer got better lighting. Wow. How long have you been in that business? We're 10 years in now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of neat. And our first project was uh, on, on uh, Molokai. Hmm. We, we ended up uh, installing all the lights for all the small businesses on Molokai. Okay. On, on your, your power bill, you pay X amount to uh, the, the utility company. But now that got separated out to Hawaii Energy to put those monies back into conservation um, measures. So it was interesting. We would tell customers, small businesses, pull out your last utility bill. And they would pull it out, turn it over. They would turn it over. Look at this line right here. It says PBF. You know how you get your cell phone bill? You have all these extra fees in there. Well, same thing happens with the utility. You look at your electric bill, you see all these extra fees. You have no idea what they are. So we would explain, you see this percentage right here? You're paying that dollar amount every month into a conservation fund. How much of that money have you gotten back? And they always say, uh, and we would answer zero. You get zero back. We're here to bring the money to you. We're going to show you how to get that money. And we're going to change out all these lights. You're going to have much, much uh, nicer looking space. And it's going to cost you nothing. So the customer has to hire us and say, okay, I believe what you're saying. Now do it. In, Hawaii, in New York, I imagine you have time of use charges. Is that right? Oh, you know what? I have no idea. I've, I've never scrutinized my bill that much. <laughs> See, you don't look at the bill. You're paying all this extra stuff. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> we did it. Uh, we did well with it. Mm -hmm. We ended up kind of the champion of the program, but that's not sustainable. So where did you go from there? We decided to expand. <laughs> so, and we ended up pivoting away from the small business side and going into just all business uh, service, lighting service. We did that by absorbing another uh, lighting company and created our own methods and streamlined it. We were doing pretty well before COVID, <laughs> but uh, now we're building back up, you know, back to where uh, we were pre-COVID. So um, I, I'm happy with what's going on. Uh, I think we're, we provide a good service and we do it with the right intention. We named our company Pono Solutions because we wanted people to know that we're here to do it the right way. We actually want them to be happy with what we do. So yeah. that's that's kind of what we've been doing. And uh, it's working out. It's working out just fine. My dad had built a, um, a home on the same uh, property as his mm -hmm. and it has a two-story set up there. Um, and actually in the first floor of the studio, and that's where our lighting business now lives. My brother and my younger sister and I, yeah. we all work in the lighting business, which mm -hmm. is in the downstairs office yeah. uh, next, to, next to mom and dad's house, underneath my sister's house and across the street from my brother's house. Now, so it's <laughs> kind of like this, the compound of family businesses, right? It's just all in one spot. I love um, that. Yeah. So is that the, the house you grew up in? It is. It's uh, when I was nine. 
uh, we moved to this house um, and mom and dad have been building on it ever since. I remember uh, coming home from college and sleeping on drywall stacks, you know. Um, they didn't do any of the construction while I was living there. As soon as I left for college, they started building a bunch of stuff. <laughs> so last year, you know, our, our, our infamous 2020 year, um, in March, right, everything got shut down with the pandemic and such. And so my lighting business had no work. Everything was closed. And so we all kind of enjoyed this free time, right? <laughs> Just kind of like, okay, we get to go play. So, you know, weeks went by of surfing with my boys. We went to the beach every day and we enjoyed it. Waikiki was empty and Sandy's was fantastic and we loved it. And so, uh, but through all of that, I ended up finding uh, the foils. I see them in the water. I see them on online. And I found the e-foil, which is simply an electric version of the, the foil boards. And a foil simply is, you know, they're surfing, right, with a surfboard. Mm -hmm. If you put a hydrofoil underneath the board, which is essentially a, a wing, like an airplane wing, you attach that underneath the board, you know, anywhere from, you know, two to four feet below the board. Then that wing flies through the water, just like the airplane flies through, through the air. Mm -hmm. And it pushes the board above the water. So that's what foiling is. The e-foil simply uses electricity as its propulsion rather than the wind, the wave, or the paddle. Mm -hmm. So the advantage of the e-foil is that we can go in any direction on any conditioned water. Um, as long as we have water, we can fly on a board. We don't need a wave. We don't need the wind. We don't need anything uh, except for our battery. And we can get uh, that board moving up to 30 miles an hour. Wow. We don't normally go 30 miles an hour. We mm -hmm. normally go five to 15. Mm -hmm. uh, my students go out, you know, at five, about five miles an hour. You don't have uh, hand, handlebars. You don't have a, a stick to hold on to. Uh, it's, it's your feet on the board and then your balance gets the board up above the water and you literally, literally are flying. And it's the most exhilarating feeling I've ever had on the water. It is weightless. It is without friction, without impact, mm -hmm. and just going like a bat out of hell, flying across the water. And I love it. And uh, teamed up with Lyft, the uh, leader in the industry, mm -hmm. uh, to represent them here on Oahu. Yeah. And, and got my license and uh, approval through the state to do commercial operations. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing lessons ever since November. And our job really is just to introduce the sport, help people learn safe way to ride it, train them on how to, how to control it. What we do is we do one-on-one -on -one lessons um, and we get people out on the water for 90 minutes. We pay attention to every student, but I follow them. And I have video of every student I've ever taken out. It's, it's on the YouTube channel, so they get to share it with their family and friends. Class of 89, class actually helped me to build out the lessons that I currently use, they acted as the <laughs> guinea pigs to my coaching. So would you say that anybody who wants to come out, who has a genuine interest in getting out on this e-foil to be able to ride it? 95% of my students get up on foil and are under control. The advantage of the e-foil is that we go under calm water conditions. We, mm. we can use a lake. It doesn't matter how we want the calmest water possible. 
govern the speed so we go as slow as we need to go safely learn the foiling fundamentals anyone who can stand on two feet and is coachable mm -hmm. can learn how to ride the foil if it's an e-foil i'll tell you right now our average customer age is 55 to 65 years old really it's, how long does it normally take scaffolding. for somebody to get comfortable or competent with the fundamentals of e-foil that's a great question, but it's because when we crash, we're crashing at a slow speed and we just have to get back on the board and pull the trigger again mm -hmm. to catch the next foil, the next wave. Every fall is a lesson learned. It's, it's like riding it's a ridiculous. bike. It's like riding a bike. Yeah. Once you do it well, you remember it. Mm -hmm. I tell people, stop thinking, put a smile on your face and enjoy the, the time. Mm -hmm. Because even if you don't stand, your balance is, we just sit on the foil pull the trigger and go pod racing across the water. So no matter what we do, we have fun. I had Patty with her hula hips and her hula knees flying across the water. <laughs> yeah, she didn't stand up. She, that wasn't for her. It, it, she wanted to foil on her knees and she rocked it and she had the best time ever. That is so as cool. As you can tell. <laughs> but, so it sounds like that the e-foil is super real. What's something about the e-foil you'll never get tired of oh it really is that freedom of flying with the wave and it is the best feeling to fly silently and quickly down the face of a wave and across it and be able to ride it for minutes not seconds the sensation of of enjoying that moment I, I don't want to let it go. Mm -hmm. And once you're on it, you love it and you want more of it. That is so cool, man. I, I, I can't wait to go back to Hawaii and give it a try. Yeah. So any classmates that's watching this, I don't charge any classmates. Everyone who wants to go out, let's just go and have fun. We'll throw a couple of boards on the water. We'll run around, watch you fall, give you some pointers along the way and, and make sure you do it safely. Kaneala and I have been hanging out lately. He got an e-foil as well because he fell in love with it. So yeah. whenever I'm not doing lessons, I call him up and he's like my surfing buddy now. And we find ourselves, you know, hanging out at the beach for four to five hours, just enjoying life yeah. with, with a store around the corner that has ice cold beer. Horrible oh. idea. Horrible idea. <laughs> so how much of your working effort time, what proportion? Oh, God is e-foil is this like 50 50 or is it you know because you're still so, building it is it taking a lion's share of your weight yeah up? i started this during covid where my lighting business was slow but the lighting business started to pick back up in december january just at the same time my e-foil business was picking up mm -hmm. i restructured the lighting business so that i'm not as busy there on a daily basis mm -hmm. i have responsibilities but they're not as heavy yeah i, I love spending my time on the e-foil stuff Mm -hmm. But there's other things that pull me in a different direction. Like today's is a is a AYSO United day. Uh, it's my uh, coach's uniform for the for the this weekend. We have games today and tomorrow. I have a 16U, which is a 16 and under uh, group of boys. I do have two girls on the team. So how long have you been coaching? 16 years since my uh, oldest was four. My youngest son is uh, who's 14. He's only had one coach. 
So the problem there, right, is that he limits his mindset to what dad says. And dad is dad first, coach second. Yeah. And so whenever I give him a critique, uh, he takes it different because it's from dad. But uh, I've tried different, to Different better or different times. worse? And it, it, it could be worse from my end, right, in that I, I talk to him about the game. Mm -hmm. uh, on the ride home <laughs> i talked to him about practice <laughs> and I've, I've stopped doing that i've learned not to do that but he could do better if he just had a different coach do you have this self-image of someone who is no older of yourself right no older than 25 28 you can still tackle the world right you can take on anything new like like you feel like you're still invincible Right. And then you go and try some of that stuff. Yeah. Doesn't matter how big or small. And you realize, wait a minute, I'm not 28 or 29. And they keep calling me uncle. Why do they keep calling me uncle? Why do they call us uncle? Why? Right. <laughs> At the Aloha Stadium, my kids were you know, running up and down the stairs too much. So Usher, who's, who's now trying to come down and correct these kids, yeah. he's looking for the parent. And he sees he identifies me as a parent. He says, he says excuse me, uncle. Can you please ask your kids not to do this and that? I looked at him and he was like 19, I swear. To me, and I didn't think I was uncle status, but to him, I get it. Yeah, it's permanent. It's there already. It's done. It is a sign but, of respect, but at the same time, I, I don't know. You're fighting, you're fighting that midlife. Perfect place to be in life right now, turning 50. When my wife asked me, what do you want to do for your 50th birthday? I told her I want to celebrate with my classmates. Yeah. because it's a milestone, right? It's, that's all it is. It's a, it's a mark in time saying, okay, I've done this so far and I still want to do that. Let's get after it. So I want to be the strongest I can be, the smartest I can be, the leanest I can be. Yeah. And, you know, if, if I can be pretty happy at 50, then I'll shoot for another 50 years. And uh, so far, so good. You know, you know how you do your journal or your uh, yeah. planning for your life. Yeah. Um, one of my life plans years ago was a was to commit myself to water. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't know what it would be, and I wanted to have that freedom, that personal freedom to come and go as I please. You know, meditating on that and visualizing that. I didn't know what it would take shape as, but now I know what it is. <laughs> you know knock and the door shall be opened you know you know ask and you shall receive you know right. so and you shall reap right i mean it, it, it it's all universal law you can call it god's law you can call it whatever you want it's just mm -hmm. the truth and that's kind of where i am or finish the sentence when i'm gone i hope i'll be remembered for making people feel good about themselves uh, i hope they remember that I, I made them feel good about what who they are and what they're doing just by spending time together. Do you have a philosophy that you live by? Uh, the simplest form is to live Pono. When I came back home, we started our business. Uh, my brother and I had to choose a name. The company name is Pono Solutions. And it was because we wanted to start a business that is taking care of other people and doing it the right way. And my brother always told me that I was pornal. It's just something that is very natural for me. I think it's something that's always been part of me is to do things right for the right reasons, um, the right way, with the right people. You know, you can't cut corners to get your financial status back. 
you can't cut corners to get your health back. You just have to live right. And living right is, is, is everything, is every step you take and every word you say and everything you know balances that way so living pono is something i do every day we're rolling man we're ambitious rolling. ambitious <laughs> don't step too late uh you know yeah i'll, I'll try now <laughs> i hope you enjoyed this episode of primetime 89 i'd like to thank our guest alika ferrera for taking the time to talk story with us i'd also like to thank everyone who helped put this together jamie barboza and nicole yoshimitsu Wendy Brown, and Keely Aquaro. And a special thank you to Dwayne Andres for the music and Elizabeth Matson with production and editing. I'm your host, David Matson. Be sure to subscribe to get the latest updates and news on upcoming episodes. And join us again with another classmate on Primetime 89.